Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and today we continue our conference previews. We did the Pac-12 and Big 12 the last two weeks. We did the non-Power 5 players the week before that. Today, we continue with the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and most importantly, the return of Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Taking a little bit of a break here for good reason. We'll get to that here at the top of the show, but today, the ACC... Two divisions, seven teams apiece. you got the Atlantic Division led by Clemson. And, and obviously, this is a team that's facing life after Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, all the great players that came away from that Clemson team this year. They've got a fine new life here on the offensive side of the football. You've got an upstart Boston College team that had a little bit of a spark last year. Florida State trying to rekindle that fire and create a turnaround. NC State, Louisville always have athletes on both sides of the football. you got Wake Forest and Syracuse as well in that division. Then you go to the other side in the Coastal. Some heavy hitters from a pure prestige standpoint. You've got Miami, Virginia Tech, a North Carolina team that everyone is excited to see with their star quarterback, Sam Howell, and a couple of teams with coaching staffs that have consistently proven to develop players uh, to put into the NFL, whether you're looking, talking about Pitt, Virginia, then you've got, of course, Duke and Georgia Tech as well uh, with some young players to keep an eye on. So we've got a lot of players to hit on here with both Dane Brugler and Ben Fennel. Before we get there, just again, go on to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question about a specific player, now's the time. Jump on, get in before the college football season gets underway. We'll answer it right here on the show. We'll be doing the draft mailbag each and every week. So appreciate everybody that has thrown us your support. That said, let's get into it. I'm excited to dive into these prospects with Ben and Dane. It's time now for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Really excited to talk through the top prospects in the ACC as we welcome back Dane Brugler to the show. Obviously, myself, Fran Duffy with Ben Fennel. Uh, Dane, welcome back. It's been a, it's been a few weeks. Uh, you are now a father of four. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, still getting used to that. Uh, <laughs> to that, yeah. It's it, it's been a crazy summer, but uh, I'm excited to get back into it. And you know, I've been uh, watching tape with uh, one hand and holding one of the twins on the, with the other hand. So it's been a juggling act, but um, had a chance to look at a lot of these players. And so plenty to say about the, uh, the ACC prospects. Between right, well, mom and dad, the four kids, you're one away from a seven on seven squad. Come on, just one, one more and you're ready to roll. I need a, I need to schedule a surgery coming up here. Uh, so yeah. that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'll leave that one alone. But uh, Dave, I know you, you might be a little bit rusty. We're coming right to you off the top. I, I want to know who your top prospect is in the ACC. A, a lot of really intriguing names in this conference. I mean, I, I think you have to say Sam Howell. Uh, if the draft were tomorrow, uh, the North Carolina quarterback is the only quarterback I feel confident saying would be a top 15 pick. Um, and there's this this quarterback class is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there's a lot of intriguing guys that have a chance to ascend. Spencer Rattler and uh, you know, I'm a big fan, Matt Corral at Ole Miss and uh, plenty of other guys, but Sam Howell is the only one where right now I feel confident saying he's, he's going to be that early round guy. Baker Mill, the Baker Mayfield comparisons, uh, they're going to be overused. They're going to be tired because we're going to hear it a lot. But to me, it just, it makes so much sense. The, the similarities are almost striking. Um, and I think, you know, what I love most about, about Howell is the composure. He's always under control. Uh, he's got that slow heartbeat. And I was talking to his offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, a few weeks ago, and he mentioned the same thing, uh, just on the field and off. Howell is a cool customer, and I think that really shines through in his play. Honestly, I feel like if you start building a quarterback and you say, okay, he's going to have great accuracy, great touch, and he's going to be tough, that's a really good platform to start building off of. And there are things that Sam Howell's got to work on. There are, you know, he's not of the most powerful driver of the football. You're, there are things you gotta, you gotta work through, but you can start with accuracy, touch, decision making, and uh and toughness. And he's got a lot of those traits. Ben, I know he was the name you picked for this category as well. Yeah, just like Dane said, I felt like we had to talk about him. He's likely gonna be a top half of the first round quarterback. But it's just figuring out how he wins. And he has a little bit of a thicker, shorter frame, but that strong arm. Excellent deep ball thrower, and they throw downfield quite a bit. He can drop it in the bucket. He has good placement on back shoulders, good timing. 
And those second window throws, the RPO heavy offense as well, you could just see how it translates to the next level as RPOs are becoming pretty prevalent across the NFL and just so tough under pressure, that composure, that competitive toughness, that leadership. We're all seeing the Baker Mayfield, you know, type of comparisons. He is that type of player. Reminds me a little bit of Andy Dalton at TCU. Another guy that maybe didn't have the overwhelming size or athleticism, and that's why he slides to the early second round. And buyer beware, there was another guy that had an excellent deep ball, you know, offense, good RPO offense, and really wasn't an NFL quarterback. And that was Bryce Petty at Baylor, who a lot of people I've heard see scary similarities of Sam Howell and how they went at North Carolina with how Bryce Petty threw the ball all over the field down at Baylor. So similar type of mold, similar type of prospects. I think Sam Howell has the potential to be slightly better, though. Yeah, I think that's it, a fair, a fair judgment. And I think it's fair to point out too, like, you know, Sam Howell, say he is the first quarterback drafted, you know, it's, we have to understand what type of quarterback he is because, you know, in last year's draft, he might've been the fifth quarterback drafted. He might've been the sixth quarterback draft. You know, it's just, it's, he's not that Trevor Lawrence, you know, all the tools in the world. And uh, you know, a lot of things that you look for in a number one overall pick, but Sam Howell has a lot of things that project to being a starter at the next level. And if you have that, uh, then you're going to be drafted early, especially in next year's class, where at least right now we don't have that Trevor Lawrence or that no doubt about it, uh, you know, top five quarterback. And real quick, Dan, I want to hit you on this and kind of th- talking about the class as a whole. You mentioned that uh, this is kind of a, a fun class. But you're just lacking that lock cemented name at the very top of the list, but you mentioned it'll be a fun group. We haven't had you on the last three weeks if we, as we've been previewing these top prospects. How do you view this quarterback class as a whole right now as we sit here at the beginning of August? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's going to be fun because I think one of these, two of these guys, maybe more are going to really ascend through the process. You know, we've seen Joe Burrow and Zach Wilson, you know, guys that weren't necessarily talked about in the summer ascend to being top five picks. Um, and so who's going to be that guy? Are we going to have that guy this year? Um, I mentioned Matt Corral out of Ole Miss, who I like quite a bit. Uh, you know, he could be a first round pick. Uh, I like Carson Strong a lot out of Nevada. I, I was really impressed with him. Uh, but you know, I, he, he's got some things he needs to work on. Some scouts have mentioned his, his knee could be an issue. Um, something to keep in mind there. Uh, you know, Phil Jerkovic from Boston college. Some we'll be talking about more about on today's pod, you know, could he maybe ascend a little bit, uh, Graham Mertz at Wisconsin. Um, and those are just the underclassmen. You go to the seniors, Malik Willis, uh, you know, if he could be a little more accurate, if he could take the next step in his development, then he's got a shot to be a first round pick. I think right now he's comfortably day two, second, third round. Uh, but maybe he gets into that first round mix with a big senior year. And then you've got Desmond Ritter uh, out of Cincinnati. Uh, he, he take that next step. He came back. Uh, he could have been a, a fourth round pick, maybe even better than that last year. Mm-hmm. He came back for his senior year. He improved upon that. Uh, Brock Purdy, Kenny Pickett. So there, there's a lot of interesting names. But, you know, last year we – was so quarterback heavy at the top this is just you know kind of the opposite at least right now where we're staying yeah it's like you said I mean, when you had that great class a year ago if it's going to be compared to that class uh you know obviously it's it's a little bit different but that doesn't mean that there aren't good players available uh in this crop and certainly sam howell one of those names now uh one other prospect i feel like we have to have in this discussion in terms of who could be the first player drafted from the acc uh is a player who didn't even start full-time last year and that's andrew booth who only started four games last year at corner for clemson he's going to be a true junior here this fall six foot 195 pounds he's got every trait you are looking for he is long he's tall he's a fluid athlete. He can govern his speed. He can recover and play d- down the field with anybody. His ball skills are excellent. And he, he first uh, got brought up on this show uh, after I saw his interception, a great one-handed grab uh, down in the red zone against Virginia. He was my one play takeaway that week last fall and going through and watching his film, the flashes are outstanding. And if he can just show that he could be a full-time player, see things well, I mean, there's no reason why this kid uh, can't be a top 10, top 15 type of selection. Honestly, very similar a year ago to the things that we were saying about Caleb Farley. I say those same things about Andrew Booth and say, look, this guy's got every trait you're looking for. Corner is very much a traits position. You see guys get a little bit overdrafted every year. I don't think Andrew Booth will be quote-unquote overdrafted. 
But this guy's going to be a high pick. I don't know if either of you guys have had studied Booth, but uh, he is an impressive, impressive player, really competitive player, too, really feisty, uh, who will scrap with anybody that's lined up across from him. Yeah, I've really just seen the flashes so far, a couple of really impressive plays, particularly in zone coverage where they yep. play a lot of Clemson, a lot of that bailing side saddle where you're getting depth with your eyes in the backfield and just kind of hawking on uh, route combos and jumping passes there. The other thing I love to see as a young player, he was a core special teamer too. Yep. So despite being a five-star, you know, kind of that press corner, uh, number one corner in waiting, he was a guy that just wanted to contribute wherever he could and use that long athleticism wherever he could. And if it's special teams, so be it. Yeah, we know corners over six foot, uh, you're always going to get get noticed. And, and Booth's one of them. The ball skills, you mentioned the competitiveness. That really stood out when I watched him. I, I do wonder how fast he is. I don't think he's slow. But I, he might be more of a four four eight to four five two type of type of corner, and you know that when you're talking about being maybe a top ten pick, all of a sudden you know exactly how fast you are at the position that that factors in. Yeah, that would be the one difference I would say between him and Farley. Farley, you could see it was just—I mean, he ran like a deer. Uh, I don't know yeah. that Booth is has that, but certainly enough speed for from my eyes uh, to be able to to cover guys at all three levels of the field. Uh, let's transition now to our next topic. And that's going to be the top senior on offense. And I'll lead us in here. Uh, a guy that I actually talked about when we did our ACC preview last summer, because it was off his sophomore tape. Now I've watched his junior tape as he prepares for his senior year. And that's Alec Lindstrom, the Boston college center. His older brother, Chris was the, the first round pick, a top 15 pick with the Atlanta Falcons. Alec, in my mind, is a better prospect than Chris, and I don't even think it's close. Six foot three, just under 300 pounds. He reminds me of like a, a Rodney Hudson type of uh, presence at center. And even if you go back just a couple of years ago, uh, the kid from NC State, uh, who was the first round pick of the Vikings, uh, whose Bradbury. name is Yeah, Garrett Bradbury. Thank you. Lindstrom, a lot of the same things you can look at with this kid. He's got really good snap-to-block quickness, very light feet. He runs his feet on contact every time in the run game. He's a technician, really active pre-snap with setting protections. We've seen him now do it in two different schemes, uh, now with what they're running with Frank Signetti and previously with Steve Adazio. So you've seen him do it at a high level at one of the most important positions uh, on offense. Uh, to me, I look at this kid and he checks nearly every box. He's a little bit light at just under 300 pounds at center. You're willing to forgive that a little bit if He's got other traits. I think Lindstrom is just outstanding. Uh, one of my favorite players that I've studied, regardless of position in this class. Well, I'm glad you're getting the conversation going with senior centers because this conference is loaded with them. Whether it's Grant Gibson at NC State, you know, taking over for Garrett Bradbury. He's a converted defensive tackle. Everyone's gushing about Tyler Linderbaum over at Iowa. Grant Gibson's doing the same thing. Brock Hoffman at Virginia Tech. This guy is a mauler. He might be playing guard this year. I think they got a transfer from Virginia. But Ola Timmy at Virginia. Cole Bentley at Louisville, I feel like, has been there for five, six years. I think 2,500 snaps. This conference has a lot of experience on the interior offensive line. If an NFL team needs a center for the next 10, 12 years, there's some guys here that I think are really good candidates. Mm. Dane, I know you want to talk about uh, Lindstrom's teammate as well. Another guy I really like is Zion Johnson. Yeah, Johnson, not a new name to this podcast. We talked about him uh, extensively last year because we thought he would be part of the 2021 draft class. Uh, instead, he took advantage of the extra year of eligibility, returned to school. Uh, he really put himself on the map at Davidson uh, before transferring to BC. Uh, he goes up a, a up a level to the FBS uh, in 2019. He was a starting left guard as a junior and played really well. And then last year, you moved to left tackle and you watch like you know the first game against Duke and it was ugly at times as he kind of made that transition. But he got better as the season progressed. But it looks like he's going to be moving back inside to guard uh, for that uh, BC offensive line this year which could get his draft value back to mid rounds, possibly in a day two. So uh, Zion Johnson returning the guard, definitely something to watch for this year for Boston college. Yeah. It seems like Tyler Vrabel is going to move over from right tackle to left tackle this year for his sophomore campaign, but he's one of the few young guys on a pretty experienced offensive line. You mentioned Zion Johnson, Alec Lindstrom, a bunch of guys that have played a lot of football out there. I like Zion exponentially more at guard. So I'm with the move and I'm with the projection projection to uh, stay at guard at the next yeah, level. I definitely like him a little bit more at guard too. I, I wrote the comp down last year to Shaq Mason, who's been a great guard uh, for the new England Patriots. I think they're, they're built similarly. They've got a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, the tackle tape was okay. Uh, I really liked him at guard the previous year. So I'm glad that we'll kind of see him close out. Name. Kevin Booth. Remember Kevin Ooh, Booth? Yeah. 
guard for the Giants on a couple yeah. of those Super Bowl teams. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one, too. Um, well, let's keep talking about these BC Eagles because uh, as we transition to our most intriguing underclassmen on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Ben, they've got a, a receiver that they made one of the focal points of the offense a year ago. Well, it was a real fun offense to watch with uh, Steve Adazio moving on to Colorado State. That means Jeff Halfley came in from Ohio State and new scheme. And they're not just ground and pounding it with 23 personnel anymore. They're opening it up with speed, speed, speed. And the main recipient is little Zay Flowers, number four at 5'11", barely 180 pounds. But he's that explosive downfield receiver that you want catching those bombs on double moves or maybe trying to get him out in space on the quick game. He's a guy you wish was a little bit bigger. You wish he was a little bit more reliable with his hands. He has some concentration drops, some tracking issues, some issues over the middle and tight window stuff. But when it's all clean, he can get himself open with speed and he can take away angles with speed. Speed, speed, speed is Zay Flowers' game. We'll see if they can incorporate Jalen Gill, who's an Ohio State transfer in that offense this year, maybe to take some pressure off of Zay Flowers uh, and quarterback Phil Jurevic. But Zay Flowers, number four, explosive player last year at nine touchdowns, nearly 1,000 yards, first teamer in the conference. We don't like his size, but we love his speed. If, yeah. if, if Canarius Tony could be a first round pick, like you look at, at say flowers and if he can clean up the hands, cause the drops were an issue a year ago. Uh, if he can convert some of those and keep the big plays rolling, like uh, how high could we talk about this guy going? It mean, reminds me a little bit more of like the Elijah Moore than the yeah. Canarius Tony. In my I'm opinion, glad you said that. Tony, I thought the same thing. Yep. Tony, I thought had some running back like ability to break right. tackles more kind of went down when he blew on him. So Zay Flowers, I think, is a little bit more in the light in the pants. I'm really not going to break tackles type of receiver, but a guy that can definitely win over the top. Yep, that was. I'm glad you said that because I, I remember watching and thinking like he's got the physical tools of Elijah Moore, but that Moore just, I mean, Moore caught everything and played through contact and like had that ability. He made plays at all three levels. And Flowers, due to the drops, like the the consistency, uh, the consistency really hurt him, Dan. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, he still averaged over 16 yards per catch, but he was up around seven drops, I think. So um, and and you have to wonder with Hunter Long gone now, he was such a big part of that offense, uh, you know, more than just a safety valve. Uh, He he was, uh, you know, one of the main targets. And so with Hunter Long no longer there, uh, is the supporting cast going to be able to step up? So, uh, you know, they give Zay Flowers space and the defense isn't able to just take him out of the offensive game plan. All right, well, let's get to the next player. And, Dane, I love the player that you're bringing up. I'm so glad that you mentioned him here in this category. That's NC State offensive tackle, uh, Ikem Ekwanu, 6'4", 320 pounds. I'm glad you pronounced it because I'm still working on it. Uh, he like, He's a beast. Uh, and he saw the field immediately as a true freshman. Uh, then last year as a sophomore, it looked like he took his game to another level. Uh, he was one of the best in the ACC. He's played some guard, but he's been mostly left tackle for the Wolfpack. Hands extremely heavy. His upper half is explosive. He bounces defenders up and down the field with just pure power. It's really fun to watch. Um, Every other play, he's putting somebody on their back. Uh, Loves to unload at contact, show off his power. Sometimes to a fault, you know, he'll overextend. Uh, So you want to see him maybe improve that patience a little bit, be a little more strategic with just how he unloads that power. Uh, That's something that scouts will be watching for this season to see how he develops. Uh, but yeah, he's one of the top. I like him better at guard than tackle. And yeah. I think he's one of the best guards, uh, best guard prospects in the nation. You know, it's funny because I know you, Ben, you, you watched him in like March. Like, <laughs> like you were like way, way uh, out in terms of, it was right when Bruce Feldman released a, a long feature on him. And I kind of knew the book on him coming in, like, oh, he's a mauler. He loves, you know, putting people on the ground. Great run blocker, really questionable pass protector. So I go in thinking that he's like, this slug that just doesn't have the foot quickness to last a tackle. No, he is a freak athlete. It's just, he's just a mess right now with his technique and his discipline and the mental processing part of playing in pass pro. The traits are there. And so this kid could go, uh, could play tackle. I just like him more at guard, but he is a, a fun, fun watch for sure. You know, to paint the full picture, I feel comfortable calling him the best run blocking offensive lineman in the country today. Yeah, sure. Now, the yep. caveat to that. I think his pass pro is not just bad. I think it's horrendous. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. And I think he needs a lot of work. So for everything good in the run game, there's some work in the pass pro side. Seven sacks last year, 25 pressures. Go watch him against Carlos Basham, those pit defensive ends that were both NFL players. Two sacks given up against Liberty. You know, there's some some games you should be dominating in that competition. And then those NFL ends, 
he looked like he struggled with. So I would like to see him protected a little bit more inside at guard, but he certainly has the ability and the potential to get better. And we'll see where it goes from here. So I think that, well, with, with Ikuanu, I, I think that, you know, I'm glad you mentioned his foot quickness, Fran, but he's not graceful. You know, he's right. not, he, he just need like you said, he's to clean up a lot of those things. And real quick, I did want to mention, I think for most intriguing uh, underclassmen on offense, I think we got to mention Zion Nelson for this category as well. Uh, the left tackle at Miami, he is so intriguing. Uh, just the raw traits. He's 35 inch arms. He's light on his feet, very good body control. Uh, I think he's done a really nice job adding weight and getting better, but it's just, he's still a ways, he still has a ways to go uh, with his technique, with his timing, very similar uh, to Ekwanu. So uh, if the draft were tomorrow, I think he's, I think he's a second round pick. I think he's going to go high. Uh, it's just, can he take that next jump in his development, um, you know, with another year, another off season under his belt, another year of seasoning. Uh, so very eager to watch uh, Zion Nelson this year uh, for Miami. And just the snapshot of how some others may view Zion Nelson, Todd McShay had him mocked fifth overall in his way too early mock draft back in May or whenever that was. So certainly a guy uh, on some radars and seen very highly. And real quick, he's the left tackle. So he's a, a third year junior. Jared Williams is the right tackle. He is a seventh year senior. We're going to have a, a handful of those uh, this year. He was, would have been a sixth year senior, but took the extra year uh, from the NCAA as a transfer from Houston. Uh, he had some injuries earlier in his career. So a Red seventh shirt, year senior super senior medical hardship. Yes. Keep going. Yes. He'll sound like Daenerys from, uh, from game of Thrones, the, uh, all the different names in front of, uh, in front of his name. So uh, Zion Nelson, left tackle, interesting player. Uh, let's go back to Aquano though. NC state, the guy that one of the guys that he's blocking for, because uh, the guy I'm bringing up isn't even the starter at running back. I want to talk about Zonovan Knight. Ricky person is the senior ahead of him. Uh, Zonovan Knight, intriguing player. Uh, I wouldn't say he's in the class of prospect as a Quanu or, or flowers, but uh, he's a fun watch in that he's just a really angry competitive runner. He plays through contact really well. Uh, I'd like to see his, when he gets out into the open field, I think that aggressiveness kind of it's to a fault a little bit because rather than seeking out green grass, He's looking, all right, who can I truck? Who can I run through? That's kind of what he's he's looking for when he gets up to the second level. Uh, but I like he, he to me, he could fit in his own scheme. He can fit in a gap scheme. He's got the ability to get downhill. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Elijah Holyfield when Holyfield was at Georgia. Um, Holyfield now here in Philadelphia. Uh, ben, you and I were talking, you compared him to like an Alex Collins when he was at Arkansas. I could see, I could see a little bit of that as well. Um, I'd like to see Knight get a little bit better in terms of his third down value. Uh, but I thought this was a draftable player and he will be a junior here this fall for the Wolfpack. And like I said, they've got the senior there in Ricky Person, who was a freak, a former freakless guy uh, from Bruce Feldman from The Athletic. Uh, let's go over to the defensive side, guys. Top senior uh, on defense. Dane, uh, I will come to you here first. Uh, who's your, your top senior on the defensive side? Uh, I went with Jermaine Johnson, uh, the edge rusher uh, at Florida State. Uh, he former Juco guy uh, who has been a valuable piece to that Georgia front seven the last two years, seven and a half sacks combined, mostly as a stand-up linebacker. He was a little unhappy with his playing time, his snap count, how he was being used uh, uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. So he transferred to Florida State for his final year, his senior year, where hopefully he'll have more of an established role. The Seminoles last year, their pass rush was non-existent. So Johnson's going to have a chance to come in, make an immediate impact, uh, violent hands. Uh, he stays balanced through contact. Uh, he can defeat blocks. There's some unproven elements to his game. But I think it's mostly because of how he was used at Georgia. So 6'5", 255, 34-inch arms. Uh, he looks comfortable on his feet. So uh, I think scouts are optimistic about him as a breakout candidate for 2021. One of like 300,000 tr uh, transfers coming into the ACC. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later. Ben, uh, Dane named a defensive lineman. I know you've got a linebacker for us at the second level. Yeah, North Carolina has a really interesting linebacker that has been playing next to Chaz Surratt uh, for the past couple of years, and that's Jeremiah Gemmel, who I think is just as intriguing of a prospect as Surratt. This guy's a three-down linebacker, in my opinion. He's a great communicator. He's a leader of that defense. He can play in space. He can turn and run vertically, whether it's carrying down the seam or maybe that deep Tampa two hole. He's really good when he's detached, playing over number two and number three. He has good cover skills. He's tough against the run. He's a guy that just didn't get a lot of attention because big number 21, Chaz Surratt, beat him to the football on a lot of a lot of tackles. So Jeremiah Gemmel, I think, is going to be the captain 
captain of the defense, the quarterback of the defense this year. And North Carolina, very quietly, has been pumping out some really good NFL players on that defensive side of the ball. So they got some prospects back there this year, whether it's Storm Duck or Timon Fox off the edge. But Jeremiah Gemmel, number 44, I think he's the best of the group. All right, so we got a defensive line. We've got a linebacker. I'll take us to the secondary here with Miami safety Bubba Bolden. Now, if you watch the Hurricanes at all on TV a year ago, it was hard not to notice this kid. Six foot three, 204 pounds, long, rangy athlete in the secondary. Now, he played to the field, so he'd get some reps lined up over the slot receiver. You'd see him playing from depth. You'd see him roll down uh, and attack the line of scrimmage from depth. So, really active, uh, really kind of a, a fearsome alley player. The thing is, too many missed tackles. He'd come in out of control. He'd lunge. He'd go low. He'd go high. Guys would bounce off him because he's six foot three, but he's only 204 pounds. So he's he got like a really lean, angular frame. And so he'd bounce off tackles a little bit too much. But this guy stuffed the stat sheet. Uh, you go back to just last year, four forced fumbles, a pick, three pass breakups, six and a half TFLs, a sack. So all over the football, um, long rangey player that I think has got the ability to be a center field type play, uh, safety in the NFL. Uh, and pe- everyone's looking for those. He's got great range. His athleticism is really impressive. Explosive striker. He's just got to be more consistent as a tackler. That's the big thing that I want to see uh, improve there. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to watch Bubba Bolden, but really, really intriguing talent. You you nailed it. He's got the ability, but uh, it's it, all the negative plays were so frustrating because you know, I was tipped off last year that he was going to the draft. I mean, that was his plan. He was going to declare early, but last year went south for him because of the way he played and because of the negative results that he had no choice but to return. Um, I in talking to scouts this summer, something he can get back into that third round range, be a top 100 guys. Uh, a top 100 type of guy. Others uh, have, you know, just were, were sour on him because of uh, the negative plays last year, biting on, uh, you know, simple route concepts, or like you mentioned, missing those, uh, the, the missed tackles piled up. So a talented guy, he's rangy, he's physical, uh, loves the talk. You love the confidence. So there's a lot to like about Bubba Bolden, but if he doesn't play more consistent, uh, you know, he, he's going to have trouble being drafted where he wants to be drafted. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Did Andre Cisco not go? Didn't he go like top of round four? Like, didn't he st- still still go like early day three? I feel like he's more consistent than Cisco. Uh, Cisco was, I mean, he was all over the place and coming off the, the ACL. He was, he was dealing with the injury too. Still ended up going early on day three. Uh, uh, Cisco I went day two. He went day two. There you go. Like to me, like Round three to the Jags. Yeah. I, I think uh, to me, I look at Bolden and think like, all right, like I think he's a better player right now than what Cisco had put on tape back in 2019. Um, that's that's interesting, and but rightfully so. And now he does have a little bit of an injury history as well. He had a dislocated ankle uh, back when he played for USC back in 2017. Had that season cut short, uh, ended up redshirting uh, as well uh, when he made the transfer over to Miami. If you're listening to this podcast, and I know you're a lot like me, you're really excited for football to be back. You're excited for Eagles football to be back. And if you live in the Philadelphia area, you do not want to miss your chance to come and see football live and in person. You can come see the Eagles practice this summer. Do not miss the 2021 Eagles live and in person at training camp public practices presented by Independence Blue Cross. They're right across the street from the Novacare Complex, right over at Lincoln Financial Field. Tickets are on sale now for just $10. And all of those proceeds benefit Eagles Autism Challenge. So go online. Get your tickets now at philadelphiaeagles.com slash public practice and get your first look at the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, let's get to the underclassmen here. Uh, most intriguing underclassmen on defense. Uh, let's go. We'll stay in the secondary. Ben, uh, let's come to you. I know you've got a couple corners uh, that you want to hit on. Yeah, Pitt has some really intriguing corners that I didn't know about. I was actually watching their freshman defensive tackle. And my attention got stolen by the corners as that happens so often. And you rip the page off and you start over. And I'm starting to dig into this kid, Marquise Williams, out there at corner, number 14. It was 5'8", 175. Guys, put on the tape against Clemson or Boston College. He was lights out. He ran vertically with Zay Flowers. He ran with all those long gazelle receivers down there at Clemson. In that Narduzzi quarter scheme at Pitt, plays a lot of press coverage, a lot of off coverage, and doesn't have a whole lot of help behind him. 
He plays island coverage. He's small, but he is feisty. He's always in phase. He doesn't panic with the ball in the air. He loves mixing it up after the play. It seems like he's a he's a barker out there. He's worked with Antonio Brown in the summers. He's from that Fort Lauderdale area. And then a corner that didn't play last year, but has flashed some nice play in 2018, 2019, is Damari Mathis, who's going to be a redshirt senior over there. He didn't play last year with a non-football-related injury, but two really intriguing corners out there. Marquise Williams, Damari Mathis out of Pitt. Uh, I, I love uh, DBs that come from that Narduzzi scheme, whether it's here at Pitt or previously at Michigan State. Uh, Dane, let, let's come to you. Who's the guy that stood out to you from the underclassmen ranks here? I'm going to go back to that Clemson defense, uh, which honestly, it, it the defense last year did not look the same, yep. uh, or at least what we've come to expect from that program. There's a young group, uh, yeah. Right. And so I think we're going to see some improvements this year. Uh, and I think it starts up front on the defensive line. Uh, players like Tyler Davis, uh, the defensive tackle, if he's able to play up to his potential, uh, that defense has something there. Uh, he was outstanding as a true freshman two years ago. And then last season, uh, disappeared way too much, didn't quite have the season many expected. I think the talent is there for him to be one of the better interior players in the country. He's explosive. He stays underneath blocks. Uh, he finds ways uh, to just infiltrate the pocket, be disruptive, but he needs to be more efficient with his moves. He needs to hold up better versus the run, but all the talent's there for him to be an early round guy. So Tyler Davis uh, at Clemson's a, a junior interior lineman that I've got my, hand, my eyes on. Yeah, I think he was nicked up and was dealing with that and kind of trying to play through that. He was an yeah. all-conference player as a true freshman, like you said, uh, really active, disruptive player. Uh, I'm going to go with linebacker Peyton Wilson from NC State, and, and this kid absolutely looks the part. It's six foot four, 235 pounds, only a one-year starter, ended up leading the ACC in tackles per game. He had 108 stops last year uh, in just, what was it, uh, 10 games. So uh, over 10 tackles a game, really, really productive. But then you look at the traits. Really fluid hips, really easy change of direction. He's explosive and sudden. He covers a ton of ground. There were a bunch of plays just in pursuit where you saw, like, man, this guy has the ability to be a three-down linebacker in today's game. He's built very similar to a, a former third-round pick in Logan Wilson by the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I think that the play, the, uh, the, the play type, very similar. The only thing is... His injury history is really troublesome. Uh, you know, spring of 2018, he missed the entire spring rehabbing a high school knee injury. Uh, missed the season in 2018 after a knee injury that summer. So that summer, as he's getting into his first year, he hurts the knee again. He misses a game in 2019. He missed two games in 2020. Uh, played late in the year with two dislocated shoulders. The surgery there made him miss all of spring ball uh, here this season. So I will say this. The fact that his tape was so impressive, despite the fact that he was playing with not one but two dislocated shoulders, I think that speaks to his toughness uh, for sure. This guy's got all kinds of traits. Uh, everything's there, and he's really productive. I'm excited to see what he looks like here. Uh, he'll be a redshirt junior uh, this fall. Traits are there for Peyton Wilson to be a special type of linebacker. Yeah, I, I agree. From what I've seen from him, um, he is on the short list of linebackers uh, that are viewed right now as top 50, top 60 type of caliber of prospects uh with nfl scouts so uh he's definitely well thought of around the league and don't ignore his teammate playing next to him is isaiah moore who's another interesting prospect as well so two really good off-ball linebackers there at nc state I like it. Well, uh, Ben, you just have been pestering me over the last week, whether it's been on the sideline watching Eagles training camp practice, whether it's through text, you can't stop talking about this Virginia Tech safety, Shamari Connor. Uh, he is your biggest sleeper here in the ACC. I know. I tell you to watch him every day, and you're like, I'm not going to watch him until now. The it's just by spite. Now it's spite. And, yeah, without question. <laughs> but Jamari Connor, number 22, is our interesting player for this Virginia Tech Hokies defense. He's got great size. He's been playing this nickel safety position for the last two years. He's six foot, 215 pounds, over 500 special team snaps. So he's obviously athletic, playing in space. He's got the speed. I think they clocked him at over 22 miles an hour uh, in offseason workouts here. But he's got good ball skills got a thick frame he's tough he could stick his nose in the run he's a bit of a drag down tackler uh but he's really really willing he's got take on ability he'll stack and shed tight ends in the run game throw him aside stick his nose in he's not really a thumper but he's willing that's all i need blitzes often really good instincts at route combinations reminds me a lit a little bit i think it's low-hanging fruit to call him chuck clark because I think he kind of took his role at Virginia Tech, who uh, ended up being a nice starter for the Baltimore Ravens. But other snapshots to kind of give some fans, maybe the way Patrick Chung played for the Patriots, okay. that safety kind of hybrid linebacker can cover well. Or maybe Corey Graham, 
who played a lot of good football in this league as a safety that can cover as well. So Jamari Connor, just an interesting player. He's from Trinity Christian, uh, played opposite Sean Wade in high school, pretty good powerhouse school out there who Isaiah Ford actually is the one that recruited him to Virginia tech when, uh, uh, during his recruiting process out there, but Jamari Connor, really interesting nickel safety at Virginia tech. I, like I haven't done a deep dive on him yet, but he played a lot of corner last year, right? Like outside corner or no, I didn't see him out there at all. He was almost a okay. through and through nickel almost every snap. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, Dane, who's your biggest sleeper here? Uh, going back to Miami, uh, Will Mallory, the tight end. I, I think he's been a little overshadowed by Brevin Jordan the last few years. But uh, whenever Mallory saw a target, good things usually happened. Uh, his blocking needs a little bit of work, but he cut down on the drops last year. Uh, he averaged over 15 yards per catch. Uh, good athlete, 6'5", 250 pounds. I expect him to run somewhere in the four sixes. Uh, the senior class of tight ends is outstanding. I love it. It's a crowded group. It's a competitive group. But if Mallory's production and impact improve with his expected snap count uh, that should be higher this year, then I think he could be a riser. I'm going to stick with the Hurricanes here for my sleeper. I'm going to go with Nesta Jade Silvera, the senior defensive tackle, 6'2", 306 pounds, kind of a short, squatty frame. Reminds me a bit of Tim Jernigan, and this is a guy that can be disruptive against the run in the pass. He's got a quick first step. He's just not super explosive, so he he times the snap well. He's able to, to get off the ball. He's just not gaining a ton of ground, but that said... He could change the line of, scrim- uh, line of scrimmage because of that first step, and he's got some pop on contact. He could be an early disruptor against the run. He's just a high-energy kid, a really violent player, chases the action. He cleans up piles downfield and outside the numbers, still coming together as a pass rusher. I think that he could still uh, kind of bring some variety in terms of his way that he attacks offensive linemen. And he's only got two career sacks uh, to his credit at this point, but uh, this is a guy who played down at American Heritage High School with that loaded defense and all those guys. You know, the Patrick Sertan and Tyson Campbell, Brian Burns, uh, all those guys down there in American Heritage. Uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, just an interesting player. And I don't know if he's going to be a full time, you know, high impact three down starter in the NFL. Uh, But this guy, I think, is going to stick in the league, Ben. Well, just to give it back to you here, the only note I have is quick off the ball. Fran has talked about him for three years. It's the only <laughs> note I have in his bio there. So I'll get to him when I get to him. Okay. Yeah. He's your, he's my Shamari Connor for you. Uh, right, for exactly. sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Jonathan Garvin, the former Miami defense fan was the guy who tipped me off to him. Uh, just said, keep an eye on this kid for down the road. It's a good scouting there uh, on Jonathan Garvin's part. Now uh, let's get to our next category here. Most to prove someone with something to prove he's injury prone scheme change. Uh, Dane, I'll, I'll go to you first. Cause you mentioned this guy earlier, Boston college quarterback, Phil Dracovic, Notre Dame transfer, uh, big year last year. He set all kinds of records for Boston College despite only playing in 10 games. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Dracovic? It's a big year for him because, you know, we mentioned Hunter Long no longer there, the tight end. Uh, but he brings back an experienced offensive line. He brings back Zay Flowers. Uh, you know, it's going to be the second year for this coaching staff. Uh, and so, you know, last year, his first year with the program, a transfer from uh, Notre Dame. He's blocked by Ian Book, so he goes to Boston College. He was really productive, 17-5 to 5 touchdown interception ratio. He had four 300-yard passing games. There, there's a lot that translates to the next level. You love his size, his arm. I was really impressed with his understanding of touch and trajectory. But with that said, there's a lot of things he needs to work on. Inconsistent decisions, force-feeding the ball, uh, to his target, staring down receivers. Um, some of his lower body mechanics are a little bit off. So he just needs to get better with some of the details of playing the position at a high level. And if he does that, then you know his draft grade is going to continue to rise. But there's still a lot to prove uh, for, for Phil Jakovic. I feel like the, the accuracy in ball placement just has to get better. Like it, it's yeah. got to get better uh, here moving into 2021. The decision-making was a little bit up and down, but uh, you could forgive that if the accuracy is there more consistently. Um, but certainly, uh, especially when you talk about the supporting cast around him, uh, and it's a pro-style offense, there are going to be things working in his favor uh, for sure going into this year. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that, honestly, if he was healthy – Number one, we might not be talking about him this year because he might have been in last year's draft. And even still, uh, this guy could be one of the top prospects in the entire conference. And that's Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross, six foot four, 205 pounds. Now, going back to last spring, spring of 2020, he had what was believed to be a stinger in the final spring practice right before COVID had hit. Um, But 
He ended up needing surgery on what was called a congenital fusion in his spine, which doesn't sound good. Uh, it was an issue that he had had since birth. And there was concern that he might never play football again. It might impact him later in life. Thankfully, uh, that is not the case, and he is geared to play uh, here this season in 2021 after missing all of last year. But when you rewind back to that 2019 season, it wasn't T. Higgins. This guy was the focal point of that Clemson offense. 66 catches, 865 yards, eight touchdowns uh, as a true sophomore. He had 1,000 yards, led the team in receiving back in 2018 as a true freshman, averaging over 20 yards a catch. He had nine touchdowns from, uh, from Trevor Lawrence that year. I mean, just... This guy has been outstanding. So when you look at Justin Ross, he can impact all three levels of the field. He's got height. He's got length. Uh, guys, I mean, he's got the ability to be an outstanding player. He's just got to be prove that he can get through this season. If he can get through this season, we saw Mike Williams uh, after having the back surgery that he had a different injury and all that. Uh, but he, was, he ended up being a top 10 pick by the LA Chargers. Ross could very easily be the first ACC player off the board if he can prove to be, a, uh, to be healthy here this year. Yeah, he certainly has all the tools and the ability. Obviously, the medicals are going to be, be big with him and hopefully just be consistent with the new quarterback out there. But yep. let's go back over to the Boston College uh, offense. And we had mentioned Hunter Long moving on to the NFL, productive kind of quarterback's best friend in that offense. Well, they got an FCS All-American transferring over, guys, in Trey Berry from Jacksonville mm-hmm. State. Well, I think it's a really interesting player. He's 6'7", 235. He has a tall glass of water. He has a mismatch problem. Hasn't found the end zone a whole lot down there in the FCS, but he averaged over 16 a catch last year on, I think, 33 catches at 25 catches the year before. He's an absolute mismatch type of receiver. Snaps his heads really well in and out of breaks, tracks the ball over the shoulder, comes to the ball, back to the ball really well. Had some drops last year. I didn't see that the year before, uh, but he'll mix it up in blocking. Has some issue getting his pads down, but they're going to need him to block if he's the true wide tight end out there. But he's been an FCS All-American and a nightmare out there. So my most approved, I want to see how he looks against some Division One linebackers and safeties. And if he checks those boxes, I think he's a day two type of player all day long in this deep tight end group. Uh, particularly in the ACC is a bunch of tight ends. Like Dana mentioned the kid down at Miami. But if I decide to throw some other names in a most approved, maybe pick quarterback Kenny Pickett returning for his sixth year, I believe. I think he's got a lot of tools and ability, needs some help in that offense. And Florida State transfer, Corey Durden, interior defensive tackle, tons of ability, tons of pass rush upside. He's now at NC State. So let's see how he uh, handles the new home out there. But a couple guys most approve. Uh, so we've got, and you mentioned a couple transfers there, and there are a ton of transfers uh, here in the ACC. Let's go newcomers on the scene, either a transfer or a replacement player stepping up. And we'll go to Dane first uh, for one of those transfers, and that's former Oklahoma wide receiver Charleston Rambo, now with the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, he flashed at uh, Oklahoma the last few years. Uh, now he goes to Miami where maybe he could emerge as Derek King's top target uh, average size, 6'1", 180. Uh, what you don't like is a lot of times he got out-muscled mid-route by corners. Uh, you want to see him. He's not the biggest guy, but you want to see him be more physical, more aggressive. But this guy can fly. Uh, he's probably in the high four threes, low four fours, that type of speed. Uh, and then one other receiver I did want to mention as part of this uh, category is Andrew Parchment, who going from Kansas to Florida State, uh, kind of like Rambo. He's very lean, doesn't have that ideal build. But he's a draftable talent if he stays consistent. So Florida State, they took a few transfers this year, more than a few. Uh, yep. But Parchment from Kansas, definitely one of those guys to watch for. Ben, let's come to you because you've been our like uh, you know weekly correspondent here on the transfer portal going back to early in the summer. Uh, I know you got a bunch more uh, here for the ACC. Well, I was trying to see if Louisville had an entire secondary constructed of transfers, but I think it's three out of the four heading into this year. Last year, they got the Liberty corner to come over. This year, two, two big-time safeties, both NFL prospects coming over in Kenderick Duncan from Georgia Southern, was a first-team all-sunbelter the past two years, 6'3", 225. He looks like Divine Diablo out there. He's got ball skills. He could come down and play in the box. And then the other one, Quintario Cole, great first name, Quintario Cole, 6'3", 190, tall, long, transferred over in the spring, coming over from uh, Alcorn State, was a first-team all-conference, 2018, 2019. Two really interesting players out there in that Louisville secondary. We'll see if it all gels together. They don't have much time, but two interesting bodies. We'll see if they maybe get a lightning in a bottle out there. 
All right. So you guys brought up some transfers. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go with a guy that's stepping into a role potentially uh, to take over for guys that have departed for the NFL. So uh, we know they, that North Carolina offense, not only did they use their, lose their two backs, they lost two of their three starting receivers as well. And so a rising senior here in Antoine Green, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, gave him some love on Twitter uh, a couple of months ago. Six foot two, 205 pounds. He's got 16 career catches coming into this year averaging just under 20 yards per reception. So you get an idea of what this guy can be. He was a big-time track athlete in the state of Florida coming out of high school. So you've got that athleticism. You've got that speed. Uh, look, he, he's been a proven deep threat over the course of his career as more of a role player. Now we'll see what he can do in Phil Longo's offense. If he can be, uh, you know, kind of step in for Deami Brown and play that similar kind of role. Antoine Green, a rising senior, just a guy to keep an eye on here as we go into the 2021 season. Uh, that would be a name I'll be watching There's here. There's going to be a bunch of new ACC. bodies out there in that North Carolina oh, yeah. offense. I, I was this close yeah. to making it Ty Chandler. As yeah, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Ty Chandler. Yeah, Coming yeah. over from Tennessee, and there's obviously big holes at running back there with uh, Carter and Williams off to the NFL. Yep, no question. Um, all right, guys, let's go to our last category here, future stud. And this is a player well, might that – Might as well keep this North Carolina for me. Well, well, uh, we could go that way. I guess, yeah, we'll go that We'll finish up with with here with the uh, with the. Let's just round out the offense there. We talked Howell. We talked the running back. They, they got a guard prospect out there too. Really quick, Josh Downs. He's a true sophomore. File it away for later. Four-star, 4-4 four, four receiver, over a 40-inch vertical, small, explosive <laughs> – I think he had two touchdowns in the bowl game, one working from the backfield. That's right, Fran. Get those guys vertical out of the backfield. can line them up all over the place. North Carolina, nearly 5,000 yards of production to replace coming up in 2021. Look out for true sophomore Josh Downs out there in combination with uh, senior Antoine Green. Let's go uh, to a big name here because obviously no bigger shoes to fill in all of college football than Trevor Lawrence. And this is a guy that we got a little bit of a taste of. Last year, he had two starts in place of Lawrence as a true freshman, and that's quarterback DJ Uyangalale, uh, the true freshman out of Hawaii this year, uh, now going to be a true sophomore. Guys, I so I couldn't help myself. I went and just did a deep dive on Uyangalale because I was like, you know what, let me just let me just get a feel for what this guy can bring because I was so impressed with what we saw back in the fall. And I said, let's just watch. He could be like Cam Newton, Josh, uh, Josh Allen. Like that's the kind of player we're talking. He's six foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds, and you see the athleticism. He takes off for that long touchdown run. I believe that was in the Notre Dame game. Um, but this is a guy that absolutely can be a dual threat quarterback. But he has got a howitzer for a right arm. Good velocity. He could put it on targets in a hurry. He'll throw strikes to the intermediate uh, intermediate part of the field to guys on the move. Sets up yards after catch. Uh, mostly accurate thrower. I mean, even on drive throws, when he's trying to put the mustard on it, uh, he could put it on the spot. He's just going to, from all the, the pre-throw stuff, he's just got to get a little bit better. His mechanics in his lower half need to get better. A lot of stuff you'll see from a true freshman quarterback. I can't wait to see what he looks like here this year uh, after a full offseason. But Uyangalale really, really impressed me in two starts. Well, Fran, you could have had more work done if you watched the Netflix hit series QB1. He wasn't on it, but Real Mitchell was on it at St. <laughs> John Bosco when DJ was a sophomore. And Real had, a, uh, I think, an injury or was struggling to throw the ball. He's more of an athletic guy. And they put in the sophomore, and he just made it rain. It was trucking guys. And uh, I might have to dig that one back up for you guys. I'm wondering if when are we going to hit the point where you're not going to be able to talk about QB1 anymore? Like, are we still like two I, years away This is probably the last year because we had a Spencer Rattler season. And uh, that's probably it. I'm not sure if they've done it anymore. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. I know that at some point uh, they. Ended. I was gonna. I'm gonna rewatch the Spencer Rattler uh, season though. Mm, great. I can't wait to, we can to watch it together, Rattler. friend. We'll yeah. All right. Together. Yeah. 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 It'll be good. I, I like. I don't have enough to watch uh, at this point. Uh, Dane, I know you got a. Uh, there's honestly there's a bunch of Clemson guys we go with. We mentioned it was a young team, uh, but I know one guy on the defensive side really stood out to you and stood out to the rest of the country as well. Yeah, I mentioned Tyler Davis earlier on that Clemson D line. Uh, how we're going to see a better performance this year from that unit. Uh, and the best player on that line is Brian uh, Bruzzi, I believe is how you say it. Uh, it's funny. This is who I mentioned last year as a future stud. He was the number one recruit in that in that recruiting class, 6'5", 300 pounds. He can play inside, can play outside, power, speed. He flashed a ton as a freshman. So it would not be surprising at all if we see him dominate as a sophomore and potentially put him in the conversation. To So at this time next year, we're talking about him as a potential top five pick. 
Brian Bruzzy. 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 Change that uh, to Breezy. Brian Breezy. Come on, man. That's, that's a great name right there. We got some good names, though, uh, in this class, for sure. There's a, there's hey, really a quick. Let me ask you two guys. Just throwing it out there. Clemson, Xavier Thomas. Dealt with the injuries last year and the COVID situation. Yes. Huge, true freshman season. Yep. Seems to be healthy again. You guys have any buzz, word, input on him? So I watched what, him actually last week. Retired, real quick. right? I don't know if he – did he retire? I know that he – I know that when he had gotten COVID, it was like a bad case. Was That that was like a lot – there was right. a lot written yes. that yeah. right around this time last year was that he had gotten it in the spring and it like lasted a long, long time. It really impacted him. Uh, I didn't hear about the retirement though. Well, no, no he, he came back. I mean, he, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, he stepped away. Like, they thought he retired. Now he's back. And so, I mean, he, yeah, he's a talented guy, former ING Academy guy, uh, you know, 6'2", 280. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he's got tools to work with. But, yeah, this is going to be a big year for him, kind of a, you know, prove-it type of deal for him. Yeah, he's, he's only started a couple games last year. I, I know he started one game, only played in seven. Um, and it, again, since he wasn't 100%, I didn't want to like go too too overboard with what I saw. Um, but more of a power rusher, quick first step, uh, not a real technician. He had a couple different moves, but I didn't think anything was like over the top. He just, he was a powerful kid. Like, I, I mean, he's built like a Brandon Graham if you're going to look at it from a defensive end standpoint. Uh, but I just wonder how big can he get? Maybe you look at him as more of a, an interior guy uh, when it's all said and done. But uh, no, uh, that's a guy I'll be sure to watch here. Uh, I almost picked him, honestly, for my most approved because you know if, if he's fully healthy uh, and recovered, we'll see what he can look like here. Well, uh, if there was ever a guy that's intriguing and or you know has a kind of a lot of questions around him, but is a good player, certainly uh, uh, he's in that conversation. No question. Well, guys, we covered a lot of names here uh, in our preview for oh, the. We ACC. didn't talk about James Mitchell from Virginia Tech. We didn't, and I like James Mitchell. Mitchell's a good player. Uh, well, we, we dropped. We'll the ball dedicate down. a whole show to you down the road, James. Don't worry. Yeah, right. If you if you transfer, or maybe if you have like a relative that went on QB one, Ben will bring you up uh, at some point <laughs> here in the future, guys. We'll be back next week talking about the top players in the Big Ten. A lot more players to break down. We're getting closer and closer to the start of the 2021 season. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Well, great stuff there from both Ben and Dane. Let's now wrap things up with our draft mailbag, where we go to Alex Lohman, who left a five-star review saying a huge fan of the podcast, been listening for quite some time. Just listen to the Transfer Portal podcast. That's right. This is a comment I took from a few weeks back. I wanted to save it for the ACC show. Uh, And he said, as a big-time Virginia Tech fan and former manager for the football team as a student, unfortunately, wide receiver Changa Hodge tore his ACL and is out for the season. Great instincts, high-quality possession receiver. Hokie fans and staff have been waiting for him to wear the maroon and orange for quite some time. So Alex, uh, appreciate the heads up there. We did not know uh, when we did the, the transfer portal podcast a few weeks ago uh, that he had torn his ACL here this spring. Now, he transferred from Villanova last year once the FCS said that they weren't playing football. So he transfers up to Virginia Tech, got there halfway through camps just about a year ago, got banged up, didn't play too much. He got COVID. So he was coming back for this season. I think he only played in one game a year ago for the Hokies. High hopes here for this year. And then he suffered the injury back in April. So Changa Hodge, uh, unfortunately, uh, it looks like I, my guess is he'll have another year, uh, potentially if he petitions for the NCAA. Um, but otherwise, uh, we'll have to enter the draft having not played for a, over two years. So uh, that'll be uh, tough there for Changa Hodge. But appreciate the, the review. Thanks so much for the comment there from Alex Lohman. And again, the best way to throw us your support, jump on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Appreciate everybody that has done that as of late. That being said, we'll be back next week, like I said earlier, with Dane and Ben, breaking down the Big Ten right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Hi, Eagles fans. I'm Connor Barwin, and I'm here to tell you about the Eagles Autism Challenge presented by Lincoln Financial Group. This year's event will take place on Saturday, August 21st, and we can't wait to see all of you back at Lincoln Financial Field live and in person. Register today to walk, run, or ride. In addition to making a transformational impact on the autism community, you'll also receive a complimentary ticket to our public practice on Sunday, August 22nd. Register today at eaglesautismchallenge.org, and I'll see you there.